0: Hey everybody, I'm Tim Whitaker, along with Rob McMichael and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived and how we can better represent his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little more about us, let's get into this week's episode.
1: Here in episode number 56, we are closing the three part series on biblical interpretation. With last week's episode featuring Dr. John Walton, we wanted to take the time to think through all of the information we discussed before taking a final swing at the material. We sum up any changes this short series has made on our views, try to tie up any loose ends, while of course creating some new ones, and wrap up the discussion about the believer's role as a forever student. We do spend some time discussing translations, studying, and how to handle new evidences on degrees of biblical truth. We hope you will find this episode and this series as helpful and challenging as we have as we wrap up. Welcome,
0: everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined with my co-host, Robin Jordan. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening.
2: Good evening. Good evening, Tim.
0: We've been in conversation <laughs> before we hit record. We're still friends somehow, so that's a good start to our, <laughs> our episode.
2: I almost, instead of saying hi, I almost said, don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Honestly, I mean, people always want us to fight, and we, of
1: course, we didn't record our fight. But maybe, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll have one in this episode. Who knows? So, well, we just have to we just we just have to record the right topics. So clearly, well, that topic will be recorded at some point.
0: Yeah, but I do think that as we go into this reflection episode of the past two episodes, we're probably going to find some some friction because I've had a lot of thoughts as well.
1: But I'm not sure if we're all lined up. Oh, no, I have had some more thoughts, and I I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. Yeah, uh, listen, me too. But
0: we'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, I did want to bring up one thing that we were talking about off the air that I think our listeners need to know. So we might not agree on many things, but I think Robin Jordan, one thing we can really agree on is that the worst television show in the history of television in the history. Of television by far is the bachelor and bachelorette tv series are we aligned we are yeah i agree um Do you my, concur? yeah <laughs> i concur my wife has been watching it which is shocking me mm. she's way in my opinion she's way more feminist than what those shows portray i mean <laughs> that's old school traditional relationships
2: yeah I mean, and it's really like really, uh, what do you call it like the opposite of feminist?
0: <laughs> I also think maybe it's not super traditional either. It's I don't tr- think I don't, yeah. I don't think twenty guys trying to date one girl is very traditional. But oh,
2: it's what they want though. Apparently, anyway,
0: yeah, I've determined that it it's it's the worst show. I I've watched one episode and it is. Horrific. For, I don't know where to start. The drama, the the fake "I love yous," the puppy love scenarios where I could just see myself spending forever with you. Well, that's easy to say when you're overlooking the ocean in Scotland on a picnic <laughs> on some mountain top. Like, yeah, okay.
2: oh Yeah.
1: All I'm saying is, no thanks. You have no authority in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I'm getting head covering out. Wear this
0: towel over your head and repent.
2: Just put it over her eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the allure is. I mean, clearly women watch it. I don't know why, though, because it's cringe. Wow. It's so cringeworthy. It's so cringeworthy. I mean, these moments that these people were in, are so painful to watch just the one-liners the classic guy who's like i've never let anyone in like this before i i'm just you know i've been really hurt and the girl's like oh i can fix you i mean oh i want to vomit
2: you want do you want my honest answer though it's going to make the conversation a little more serious <laughs> all
0: right go ahead
2: it's the same reason guys watch porn
0: <laughs> i knew you were going to say that <laughs> i knew you were going to say it's emotional porn it's,
2: it's emotional porn It is. Yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) somehow socially acceptable and uh well i mean they
0: aren't naked and like boating each other so that's a big difference but
2: yeah yeah okay that's a different conversation but
0: (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) i agree though it does make you think it can make you think about like what if i was with someone else or like what if this person i was with Mm -hmm. i but i mean any i i don't think that's only a female problem i think no, all people do that you in know? the
2: same way that porn's not only a guy problem <laughs>
0: yeah that's true yeah but anyway i had to get that out i had to vent about that because i'm just i'm sh- shocked i'm shocked it's on tv i'm shocked people watch it and they know it's trash they know it's garbage sarah knows it's a garbage show if she still tunes in
1: <laughs> listen all i'm saying is tonight uh, let's go grab sarah right now we're gonna sit down we're gonna read philippians 4 And then then we'll go about the night and we'll see. Sarah, does that
2: fit through the grid of Philippians four? Come on. This episode's an intervention. (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh.
2: You didn't know it, Tim. But (laughs) yeah. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure
2: she'll
0: hear you out really well.
1: It's a good thing Sarah doesn't listen to our podcast. She'd hate never. Dude, in the beginning she was so supportive.
0: Oh, I love listening to your podcast. It's so good. (laughs) That was like two
1: years ago.
2: (laughs) Does uh julia listen rob
1: uh sometimes
2: you want to know how many say listen to zero zero ever oh. <laughs> clips i think f- i think little bits here and there but uh, station thanks for listening i, I, really full episodes. I will <laughs>
1: we, we fully appreciate our wives and for any wife that is
2: listening to this of
1: ours not anyway, in general of ours. <laughs> <The forest>. Yeah, <laughs> one of my several wives out there. You get one thousand dollars. You can ask us for it, and we will give it to you in cash
2: for whatever you want. If you listen to this episode,
1: Correct. Sarah just Sarah just
0: texted me from the other room. I listen, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. She'll be
1: asking for a grant.
0: yes yes, true
2: tim loses this round i lost this round
0: (laughs) um i do want to get into our main topic because we've had two past episodes on the bible which is a huge term and a huge topic and obviously we're not gonna i mean we can only go so deep in two episodes especially the fact that we don't live in that world of study all the time um but last episode we did have dr walton on and that was amazing, and that was great, and I thought this would be a good episode for us to be able to share some reflections on maybe what has shifted for us in regards to how we view the Bible, and then see where it kind of goes from there. Sounds good. Okay, Rob, I know you had a few things, but I want to ask you a question. Um, With Genesis 1, I know that that was a big point of our uh, discussion, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to the last episode you need to listen to that one and the one before it would be good too um before you go further because we're going to reference a lot of the topics that were discussed previously and not go too deeply into them but rob uh has your view on genesis one changed at all given dr walton's uh
1: um explanation i i don't know yet i really don't know yet so i think i kind of described it a little bit even the last episode is so i grew up young earth You know, 24 literal, 24 hour literal days, six to 10,000 years ago, whatever. In high school, college, I switched over to an old earth interpretation based on scientific evidence and all of that. And along with that came reading the Genesis 1 text as proof evidential proof, scientific proof in that regard. So kind of reinterpreting it to mean something else. But I was never, I was never super comfortable with that because I was like, okay, but um, did it really take, you know, how many, 10,000 years for us to finally get enough scientific knowledge to properly understand Genesis one? And that was kind of always in the back of my mind, so while I still am old earth i'm I'm kind of stuck in the the middle of views because John Walton kind of recategorized some things for me so that we look at Genesis one from a functional standpoint instead of a material standpoint, and that that really resonated with me, but I know there's critiques on that work too. I know John Hobbins. Um, has a critique of, you know, his interpretation of the Hebrew word bara or to create. So I, I, I'm still doing research, but it definitely has affected me. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: How about you, Jordan? Are you now a young Earth or, or
0: I know you well. I don't think it's fair to say you were a hardcore, staunch, you know, young Earth creationist because of Genesis one. Mm-hmm. But in light of what you heard, has anything shifted for you in Genesis?
2: Yeah. I just wasn't anything else because I didn't feel like I had evidence for it. (laughs) So it's like, why not read the text the way it says it? Um, yeah, I think my shift has not so much been on how I understand the science of it, because I think that was the whole point of what Dr. Walton was saying was that Genesis one is not about the science of it. Mm -hmm. And I, whether, like you were saying, Rob, there's there's definitely differing opinions, even from um, Dr. Walton's interpretation of creation story. The creation story being about the ordering rather than the physical creating of things. Um, but even taking that into account, that does, and obviously, I mean, but all of us are still coming at this from a pretty uh, uh, Non uh, expert, <laughs> uh, rudimentary, rudimentary. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, like my my ability to speak, um, <laughs> rudimentary viewpoint, and just like the feeling is that it makes a lot of sense what he was saying. Um, you know, however you interpret that word, create, um, it makes more sense that the Genesis one story is addressing um, the ordering of creation. Um, and addressing the side of that that the ancient Israelites would have wanted to know about, you know, I got a lot out of his analogy of of the play, and you know how you asked how did this place start, and they're giving them all this background information. It was written, blah blah blah. The theater was built, blah blah blah. Um, when really you just wanted to know, you know, how we got to where we are now, and that that was kind of uh, that was pretty interesting to me just a different way to look at Genesis one is it's not necessarily addressing the things that we have been grown up being taught that it is addressing. Um, that being said, I don't think that Genesis one is, um, at odds with a literal six day creation either. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at.
1: And so Tim, then it turns back on you since you, you, I think you were the most liberal in the the interpretation of Genesis 1 did you And since
2: he specifically rebutted what you thought <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did directly <laughs>
2: the first thing he said Well, it's certainly not no, a poetic. <laughs>
0: yeah he's like he's like i certainly wouldn't call it a i i I certainly would approach it from the poetic standpoint like okay dr wallin you got it like whatever you (laughs) say sir um yeah i probably am i mean okay i don't want to get stuck in the weeds here but even that term liberal like i'm not trying to be a liberal i'm just trying to understand what it's really saying i mean that's ultimately what i'm trying to do which i would hope anyone's trying to do with the bible um and whether that falls on the the, what what we think is liberal or conservative whatever i don't, I don't right. care about that so right. much but um yeah i mean like i said this on the podcast last week he it was very mind-blowing for me and it it, it made a lot more sense mm-hmm. they're like okay i can understand why this would say this now like and i when i even said like well what about like when he created the plants and animals and he's like well it doesn't say that necessarily like look at the wording i'm like oh I never realized I kind of read some of my own assumptions into the text. And that was maybe one of the first times that was so uh, clearly an example of that. Where I'm like, Oh, I've just been, you know, just taught to read this a certain way. And now, I, you know, it, it's, it's back to that classic, is it a duck or a rabbit picture yeah. thing, you know? Uh, oh, I see the duck now kind of idea. So I thought it was great. And like you said, Rob, I'm sure that other people have different perspectives. In fact, we know that they do because there are many views on, on this but I thought it made the most, I thought it made a lot of sense. Like, oh yes, you're right. A Hebrew doesn't have a scientific, scientific mindset. So they're probably, you know, talking about the order of how things were ordered to go. That again, just helps, helps me frame things better, um, which is helpful for me.
1: Yeah. And especially as we, we get further into a naturalistic society and culture, we get away from the supernatural society that the ancient Near East was like no one no one in that society was like oh well this came from nothing. everyone yeah. said this came from something and the Bible wasn't giving you any new information in that regard like the material origins they were just saying this is how it came to be and this is why it came to be and we we just approach it from a very naturalistic society, and we want to we want to be able to say to the scientist, yeah, but God did it, and this is how. But that's not what the Bible is addressing in Genesis one.
0: Well, I think that is. Um, I read in a book that that was kind of what got us a lot. That's that mindset is what kind of got us here. Was we found the need to have to compete with the sciences early on, like in like the you know 1600 1700s when they started really picking up steam so we started reading the bible more of like a historical narrative trying to prove like no what the bible's saying is is the right answer kind of thing it, it kind of trying to compete with science instead of saying oh like science can tell us the how but not the why you know i think right. the bible can really tell you the why how humanity functions i mean they talk about this all the time how the, the, the story of the Bible is just humans failing to be the ideal that God made them to be. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. You know, like he set it up a certain way. We just cannot, we can't do it. Like it should, we just fail all the time. So I think the why is there. And I think science is great at, at telling us the how of what we call the naturalistic world, you know, how gravity works, how molecules work, how atoms work, you know, what the sun really is. But that doesn't mean that, that they have to compete with each other
1: yeah mm. and i think one of the points that i just wanted to I, I i got for myself and you know i feel like is important for us to put out there too is that biblical interpretation is about constantly learning and adjusting and looking at the evidence looking at new evidence looking at new interpretations and bet and Kind of settling on this is what I believe is the best interpretation of all of the evidence I've been presented and moving forward until something, some better or new evidence comes out. And I think we get stuck, or I can speak for myself. You know, sometimes you just get stuck and well, this is what I've always taught or always been taught and always thought. So I kind of have to stick with this. Well, if there's better evidence, then don't stick with that kind of like you know as a child you you think two plus two equals three but you're showing the evidence that it <laughs> equals four and now it's four
0: yes but i just wonder how far that goes before someone says i don't want to go any further with the evidence does that make sense like i it, i feel like This is where someone who's pretty, I'm going to use the term conservative here, would say, well, if you go down that path, like, you know, you might become real liberal and become like an atheist or something crazy because whatever they think is the evidence will point them away from God or away from traditional core values of certain things. So my question to you guys is like, you know, if evidence, if in your studies and by listening to people that we respect in the, Bible community come to different conclusions than what we were brought up with that are maybe important to
1: us. What do you do with that? Let me, let me rephrase it and then pass it to Jordan. Okay. Jordan, okay. I, in the first episode, you were big on truth and mm-hmm. that all truth is God's truth. So can, can we be firm in the belief that if we're, honestly and sincerely looking for truth, that it won't lead us away from God.
2: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. And that's something that is not super... What's the word I'm looking for? Like that doesn't necessarily make sense because you you think in the natural sense that doesn't make sense that you know where the evidence would take you before you start following the evidence is basically what you're saying kind of yeah um but i think that's kind of what i mean dr walton even made a comment about you know when he relies on his ability to his study and being in prayer and thinking deeply about things and it's it's a combination of all of those things and I think that, yes, I agree with you that, I mean, if you're saying that that's what you think, <laughs> I agree with your <laughs> statement that um, if you, as, as a Christian, if you're genuinely seeking truth, that God, this, that, I mean, and I think that's how the Holy Spirit works in this process. We talked about that a lot in the last episode, is that the Holy Spirit's not there, like making things glow on the page at you, or, you know, feeding information directly into your brain. But I think how the Holy Spirit does operate uh, is as kind of guardrails almost in, you know, nudging us and, you know, hinting us into the right directions that we are going to be heading towards truth. That being said, I would agree also with the statement that it's really easy to get sidetracked in that or really easy to get kind of pushed in the wrong direction also. Um, so it's tough. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like yes and no, like I want to agree with that, but at the same time you certainly see people who like are genuine out there, um, who are coming to some pretty like wacky conclusions that other people would disagree with.
1: And in in this specifically in this it it reminds me of John Lennox and Richard Dawkins had a debate and it Mm -hmm. was funny because Richard Dawkins directly asked John Lennox expecting the answer to be there is no evidence but he asked him "Um, is there anything that could if it was proven to be true that would cause you to leave your Christian faith and he almost asked it you know like in a in a condescending manner, like obviously right. there's no evidence that expecting make- him
2: to say no, right right, yeah and he
1: was like, "Oh, absolutely, I can name at least four things that would if they were proven true, I would give up my Christian faith. The first being, if you could prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ was not risen from the dead, I would one hundred percent leave my right. faith, and I forget what the other things were, but and then but then he turned the question around. At Richard Dawkins, after answering it like that, and was like, "Now, Richard, is there any evidence that you could find that would point you in the direction of God?" And it was kind of like, uh. <laughs> "But <laughs> I,
2: I think you found the evidence, right? You? Yeah,
1: and and so it was, it was kind of a. I think that brings even a little bit of clarity to us, where, yeah, that if there was evidence that you know shut down our Christian faith, would we accept it? I, any honest seeker would say yes, but in it, it goes back to your first point, Jordan. We kind of already expect the answer to be, well, no, we're not going to find that evidence. But I mean, mm-hmm. if we're honest, we have to say yes. If, if that evidence presented itself, then we would have to walk away from the faith.
2: Yeah, I guess there's just a certain amount of faith. that comes into play in that because you know the reason why you know any of us have given our lives to this guy (laughs) named Jesus Mm -hmm. um, is because we believe that there is not any evidence that would lead us to abandon him I guess right you know, I don't think any of us would say like, yeah, we're here for now, but something comes up. (laughs) Right. I'm going to hit the road. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think that's a really deep um, thing to consider for, for any Christian, but, but important.
0: I'm, I'm kind of wondering though, more in like with like, okay, as an example, the one I'm thinking of is like, uh, interpretation of like what is uh sinful or not um and i mm-hmm. think we can go not that we have to go down this oh, hole, as an trying example trying to weave it oh, in here
1: tim. tim
0: no i'm just saying <laughs> But I'm, I'm just curious like and i don't have it for the record i don't have an answer to this question i'm just asking it if if someone came out and was like hey uh turns out like we're really misinterpreting like these verses about homosexuality it's not talking about what we think we're talking it's talking about in the context that we're currently in yada 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 you know what what do you do with that right because i'll use another example for me coming out of calvinism over the past like year or so you know i could only read romans 9 a certain way because i was taught to read it that way then i hear a whole other way to read it that makes actually in my opinion way more sense like oh it's not this, like, situation that I thought it was where God's, like, picking and choosing people, you know, to save or not to save, right? So new evidence came to me that made much more sense in many ways, including biblically, that allowed me to be able to change my view from A to B, you know? So I'm more asking the question regarding, like, in-house stuff with, with things that we see now as, like, really big no-nos that could they ever, you know, if someone... Or if um, if there's a movement out there that says, hey, we've actually found better evidence that it is or isn't, either way, what do you do with that?
2: I think you have to look at their evidence. <laughs> you know, first of all, just saying you have better evidence doesn't necessarily mean it's better. But I think I, I understand. I think what you're saying is what if their evidence was actually better?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. For a certain point. Yeah. Not just that they were saying it was. Um, I mean, I think it's important for us to, you know, approach things with a certain amount of openness that we're willing to say, I'm going to consider your point of view on this thing. I think if as a group, as a, as a church or, um, you know, a small C church, a local church, that we're so closed off to any other ideas that we won't even hear someone out. Um, I don't think that's good. Um, but I think you also, you also do have to be careful about how easily you are pulled in a direction. I think it does come back to, you know, you need to explore the evidence really deeply for yourself to really see, you know, is this evidence better than the evidence that is supporting what I already believe about this? Um, And, you know, talking to people and considering the views of people who are way smarter than us also on both sides. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, if your question was like, how do you react in that situation? Like, what would you do? Or, you know, I forget how you said it, how you asked it originally.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think for any human to change any belief once it's ingrained, no matter what it is, biblically or, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatever, you know, psych- psychologically, it's hard to change um, and admit that maybe yeah. you weren't right about something. And that that's just a human thing. We all struggle with, with that. And I, I don't know why. I'm sure there are podcasts out there that explain that really well. Um, and I've noticed that, you know, in the Christian faith, it just – um I don't know, guys. I feel like we've been on this journey of just hearing people re-explain the Bible in what I think makes way more sense than I've ever heard it before. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? Because I don't want – what. here's what I don't want. I don't want this to be licensed to like – just think like, oh, the Bible's like an open morality book, like there really is no right or wrong right i don't think right that, I don't think that's what it's saying, but I also am realizing that quite a few things that I was taught to believe a certain way really maybe aren't saying that necessarily, but they're actually hinting at maybe a deeper and more profound idea <laughs> um and not that that doesn't necessarily scare me, but I do wonder like how long, like like where that current's going to bring me to long term. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because it just seems like the more we go down this rabbit hole in Old Testament studies and now New Testament studies, there are so many links to uh, each other and that the minds that these authors had, maybe we just didn't understand fully or uh, let, let me re- rephrase. Um I just always read the words of the Bible as like, okay, like what's it saying to me right now? Like, okay, like this is black and white. Here's what it says. I'm interpreting through, I'm interpreting this book through my Western lens. Are there, is, is there never a time to do that? No, of course not. There are always going to be truths in the Bible that you can read black and white. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount is a great place to start. You can read that black and white and say, this is what Jesus is talking about. You should do these things. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you on that right but as far as like other parts of scripture like in this case genesis or other things it's like wow like i thought it was saying this but it's actually saying something way deeper so i feel like for me as i kind of uncover the bible in a totally different way that i believe is more true to what its intention and message to us actually is i just kind of i wonder where it's going to bring me long term
1: that's all i mean well. you know I so. I I think the the establishment of the local church is part of our safeguard as well. Um in in that, you know, even when um a prophet would speak, it wouldn't be immediately, oh wow, that w- that prophet was a word from God. It was, hey, get two or three witnesses to to prove its truth. Is this something that can be verifiable and the local body would kind of decide on those things as a community and would discuss things and would bring new ideas and and bring things to the church to discuss and learn and grow together and I think that's that should be our response to anything new. We should have those believers in our lives that we can come to and say, "Hey, I'm presented with this new evidence, and this is what I've been going through. Can you help me with this i I, I see that in you know, even my, my engineering role at work, I could work on a a certain problem and, and get the perfect solution that I think would solve the issue that we've been having in our rental fleet. But I, I oftentimes am missing overlooking something or missing a key component. And so when I bring it up to the rest of the team and I say, Hey guys, this is what I was thinking. This is why I thought this way. And then we discuss it as a team we come to a, a better solution, a more robust solution, because we can work as a community, you get all those different viewpoints. And I think the church should really be operating like that. It, should, it shouldn't be as closed off as I think you've been expressing, Tim, that, all right, this is how we have to believe and don't question this and make sure you never um, go outside of these pre-painted guidelines. We, we should, we should be pressing those things.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't disagree. I think in my head I'm just wondering like what I'm thinking in your response is can I can I trust like that process though with the, the state of the church currently. Like I don't know of uh, this is really weird to say, and <laughs> it's just kind of—it's kind of funny. But like, I feel like guys like Dr. Walton, guys like Tim Mackey, they make me almost be like more skeptical of like teachers now on the pulpit than ever. Like, huh? Like, but but so and so—is that what it's really saying? You know, like, hmm. Like you're, you're pulling out of Ezekiel out of the dry bones, but is that really the life application here? But how God is going to revive your dry bones? You know, what, does that make sense? You know what right. I mean? And I mean, obviously, like, listen, you you can, the Bible, the brilliance of the Bible is that you can apply it and not be necessarily unbiblical. I mean, there's um, amazing truths there. But where I'm at now is I'm just like, well, like, yeah, but I get, like, I I get the American Christian response to this passage. But, like, what's it really connected to and what's that, like, I don't want to use the word deeper as, like, more intellectual. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying what's the other way to read this passage that connects to the bigger part of the bigger story of the bible that the bible is trying to tell ultimately so you know it's hard because it's like it's hard to find those people not to mention a lot of us are just i mean i'm just ignorant i don't know I can't even trust my own opinion half the time on the Bible right now. I'm like, I think it could be saying this, but I'm also reading this through a totally different
2: lens.
0: (laughs) So it's just like, it's interesting because I'm really enjoying the journey and I'm really enjoying what I am learning. And like I said in our last podcast, you know, in one, uh, on one hand I am holding the Bible looser than ever. And on the other hand, I'm holding it tighter than ever. And I think honestly, I'm more convinced of the truth of the Bible probably more than ever because of how it's written and the in and, and like just the brilliance of it. But I'm also realizing like to get to that like really like meatier part of the Bible, you have to really know like so much about the Hebrew culture to get the full experience, you know like what it's referencing to and what like the what what the pun is here and what the joke is here, and what this really means, and so I wanna learn that because I want to know what this book is really trying to communicate to us.
2: yeah, I think that's uh goes back some to some of those good like resources that we have available to us, and you know some of the things that Dr. Walton said um so the suggestions he made for uh, different resources. Um, I think going back to what you were saying about like the church and like not being able to trust the church in this process, um, I think that has to do with kind of how we put ourselves in the church too. Like how are we engaging with the church body? Um, Because if your information is coming just from, you know, a preacher up in the pulpit, it's kind of like this weird, like one way thing that I don't think was really how it was designed to be. And this Amen. goes back to, I feel like a lot of conversations that we've had before um, about just the idea, the importance of community within the church. And I think what Rob was saying just about the, the role of the church as kind of this, uh, this check Um and balance in our search for truth um, that I think that best works in the setting of like where you can have a give and take with people who are your peers. But definitely, I think it's important that there's people who are like older and smarter and more versed in this stuff. Like, And and you're right. It is hard to find people sometimes. (laughs) Like we don't all have a Dr. Walton in our small group, (laughs) unfortunately. Right. (laughs) But you know, but there's people out there. I mean, I'm I've always found it kind of. There's definitely like people that I still remember, like a single meeting with some person. I had no idea what their name is, you know, but just like some person that I would meet years and years ago. And they just stuck in my head because of how, you know, just steeped they were in the word of God, you know, or something like that, or just how quick they were to turn to prayer in the situation Mm -hmm. when I was just like, I don't know, whatever, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm a teenager. Um, And things like that. And I, it just kind of gives me some hope, I guess in that situation that there are people out there who you know, this is what they're all about.
0: (laughs) Let me also just, I need to take back one thing. I didn't saying, I don't trust the church. Isn't the right word. What I am trying to say is that I, in my head, I believe that I've heard the church answer to this thing already. Does that make sense? Like, it's hard to find the non-standard church answer on a lot of these
2: topics. A lot of times the question, you know, I feel like a lot of times the questions isn't question isn't being asked in the circles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us going through uh, something like this conversation that we've been going through, it's awesome. First of all, because we've gotten to ask these questions of each other and of a really smart guy (laughs) who knows more than us. Um, But I think that's part of maybe that we can, something we can do and something anyone can do really to kind of like, get that ball rolling is, you know, start asking some of these questions. And I feel like to your point, maybe that if you're in a a community where you don't feel comfortable asking those questions or where if you do ask those questions, it's seen as something that's like negative (laughs) and you shouldn't do, um, that I think is kind of a flag towards like maybe this isn't the best community for you to be in. Um, you know, find a community where you can ask questions and have honest, you know, back and forth conversations with people.
1: So to, to bring another, another, uh, way for you to doubt Tim. Um, so John, John Hobbins and Samuel Bray, they, um, they wrote a new translation for Genesis 1 to 11. I think it's called like Genesis 1 to 11, a new old translation for readers, scholars, and translators. And you know, um, Samuel Bray, he's um, a lawyer and is into law stuff, but he's very much a student of the word of God where John Hobbins is a it's much like Dr. Walton and he's been on um, Dr. Heiser's podcast and he's very much a language guy so he he went to University of Wisconsin with Heiser and you know he I think he said he learned Greek and Hebrew when he was 13 and then just kept going in languages from there so uh, he, he is the right guy to to do a new translation but Samuel Bray actually came to him because His thing was, I want to read the Word of God to my kids, but all of these English translations are kind of falling short. Like, they're not reading aloud like they should and how they were meant to. And he's like, you know, sometimes you just read through a passage and you say it out loud and you're just like, that just sounds silly. Like, why, why why is that phrase like that? And so they, with that in mind and trying to get back to... You know how an ancient Near Eastern would think about it and recite it, and coming from an um, oratorial society where things were spoken, they they developed this translation with all of the support behind it on a very readable and understandable and conceptual translation. But what it made me start to question, because as they were kind of discussing this this new translation. They, they came across like the ESV and the NIV and all of these various translations. And it was like, you know, you come across certain passages. Um, I think the, the one was the Genesis flood, where in the Hebrew, it uses the same word when it says humans had destroyed the earth and then God destroyed, or humans had destroyed the earth. So God destroyed humans basically. And, and it equates those two things together, where there are so many English translations that say, humans corrupted the earth, so God destroyed the earth. And that connection is lost. And then they go into other examples. Uh, I think Dr. Heiser talks about saints in the New Testament, and how all, basically every English translation translates that word to be saints. He's like, It would make so much more sense if it was translated holy ones because now you have a whole conceptual background for that word because oh i go back to genesis 1 where the holy ones are those in the divine family those that operated with god and ruled with god and we we've lost that that connection and now we view the old testament and new testament as two separate books where that translation really should keep those connections and so it got me thinking how many connections have our English translation in an effort to be more readable or more applicable to a certain subset um, or whatever the case is, how many of our English translations had severed ties that we have never picked up on because we don't, we don't have the, the, a true translation.
0: Well, you're totally right. That's, that's what almost makes me laugh. When I hear people who are like, You know, it's what Dr. Walton said about people who are like, this is the word of God. It's like, well, it's really a translation. And you're trusting someone else's interpretation of these other languages to do their best to give you what they think it's saying. But that's still a translation. It's still an interpretation at best. And another example of that is, I think I was talking to you guys about this recently. Maybe I wasn't. But the same thing with the word hell. The word hell is either Hades, Gehenna, or Tartarus. It's never its own word that says hell so like when the word hell is used with jesus it's gehenna which is pointing towards you know a tangible place it's like an example of something of a, a symbol of what it's like and then the other word is hades where all the dead go that's not like a place of burning the word is a place where all the dead go including the christians it's a place where the dead are held so it's just interesting to me like like you said rob there are certain words that we've trusted people to translate for us that really actually ultimately impact our theology a ton because when we read certain words, we're kind of uh, taught to, to have a certain image in our head. So when we read about, you know, um, your body being, you know, better for you to cut your hand off and throw it, you know, wherever, instead of your whole body being into hell, it's really Gehenna, which is like the trash heap, or not a trash heap, but it's a place where bodies are being burned in the day. And the, the point is, is that, Jesus is talking like figuratively there, right? Not necessarily – I'm not saying that hell is not real. I'm just saying it's not the word hell. It's the word Gehenna. But I agree with you, Rob. Like we have to realize that that these interpretations – and I don't think anyone's malicious. I don't think that people are like, oh, I'm going to mislead other people by doing this. We're, but we're, we have to understand that, that we, we need to get away from this idea that the English, KJV, NIV – bible was beamed down from heaven and that every word is specifically in uh you know the right word <laughs> that was said in the hebrew and that it reads like that because like you just said it doesn't always do that and that's why it's that's like that's why what dr walton said stuck out to me when he said that the work of the scholar is a essential spiritual gift yeah. that needs to happen and i was like wow that is so true because we need people like him but the discipline to sit and study i mean i have no discipline i cannot do it i, I just can't <laughs> i tried it's just not in my blood to sit and learn language but that's a spiritual gift and mm-hmm. so when this when these guys who are obsessed with the bible who love it who love the the story of jesus who are committed followers come to conclusions that maybe you know um initially put like our red flags up we have to be able to listen to what they have to say because these are the guys who are sitting in this stuff all day and night trying to best uh, uh, trying to as best as they can interpret these hebrew ideas and concepts into an english translation you know, I, right. in a way, here's an example I thought about. You know how, like, sometimes you have, like, figures of speech in English that did, that do not translate over at all to another language and vice versa? Right. And, and you'll hear a translator say, like, well, if uh, if I translated this literally, you wouldn't get it. So here's the idea. You know, right. like, it, it weighs a ton. Mm-hmm. That was the idea behind it. That's how I, I've been thinking about the Bible more and more. I'm like, I need the version that cre- that 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 gets the concept across to me not just like the word-for-word what they think is the Hebrew word I need like what's the idea that this thing is saying because when you have these word-for-word translations of course they're helpful of course they're necessary but they don't always capture the essence of what the author is trying to communicate Mm -hmm.
2: I think there's danger both I I think you kind of need both because they both have their strengths and they both have their weaknesses Mm -hmm. Um, like the conceptual stuff um, is great, but it just, I feel like it's even more of what we're talking about where it has to come through the understanding and theology of another person before it gets to us. Um, it does that even more so in a conceptual translation than in a word for word translation. And then on, on the other side of the coin, the word for word translations have their own shortcomings too. Um, like you were saying is that sometimes the word's, don't we don't have the words the right word word that you can have a word for word translation so you end up with these kind of substitute words um or the closest thing to it in english which doesn't always communicate the same thing um so i think it again just comes back to this like we have to put more effort into this than just a surface reading <laughs> of either of these things yeah. um you know, you have to be willing. We have to be willing as Christians and and students of the Bible to explore and understand the word for word and the conceptual, and you know, be able to take those things together and even go further than that and do the research and learn Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there, not, but
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, to that point, I I I, I would question myself and. You guys and our entire audience, how many of us have read the preface to our Bible?
2: <laughs>
1: Every Bible has a preface and states this is the type of translation it was. This was a word for word. This was a conceptual. This was a paraphrase. And we should have, we should know which Bible is which. And when we're reading and studying, we should have several and read all of them and not just say, well, I have an NIV and I'm good enough with that because you're probably missing out on a lot of truth, Not obviously not the big truth. We, we, you know, we don't have to keep caveating that, but you could be missing out on some of the finer points and the threads and the connections and all of these hyperlinks that the Bible is full of. And, and Tim Mackey is great at, at kind of tracing all of those through the Bible but if all we have is one translation and that's our go-to that's all we read we're missing out on so much yeah
0: no i couldn't agree more like like i said uh we it's not that um i don't know i I, guys honestly i'm I'm just really torn i i don't know i i i read things about like uh I'm, i'm gonna use the hell example again because it's so important i think in how we view this stuff but that word is a translation of four different words, but it's the same word in every time, hell. But they all mean different things in different contexts. Again, I'm not saying that hell doesn't exist. That isn't the point. I'm just saying that I think hell is actually deeper and not just this place of literal torment and burning. I think it goes beyond that in a lot of ways. But you wouldn't know that unless someone explained to you, hey, that word that you're reading that says hell in Revelation is different than the word hell in Matthew that Jesus uses. They're different words but they're translated to the same word or another another good example that's not as maybe controversial is the word for uh, forever sometimes forever can mean the idea of like a literal never ending sometimes it's used kind of like how we use an exaggeration of like oh my gosh that took forever to do but right. you don't really know that because you're just reading forever <laughs> so <laughs> again i'm not saying it's it's intentional or it's malicious i'm just saying that i don't know i'm trying to find the right words that sounded crazy but <laughs> <laughs> we're reading a man's best reading of other texts that right. are god inspired and um and infallible but the translations we're reading are very much fallible so we have to be very careful when we read things that are black and white i think there's a real danger when we get into these super intense dogmas that it's like no this is what it says black and white there's no room for reading it differently because that's what it says i think even though i think that's less and less common it still is a very common thing in the church i mean it, it happens more often than we like to admit where people take it and they go that's god's word god's word's never changing i agree god's word is never changing but our interpretations as far as like how we interpret the bible is always changing so that's important an important distinction for us to be aware of
2: Yeah, I think in our response to that, though, we have to, again, go back to what Dr. Walton said in considering the evidence for something. Um, I think it's easy to, you know, be that person who always believed the literal NIV translation of something. And someone comes along and says, well, actually, did you know that the Hebrew word actually meant this and this and this? And then all of a sudden, their world is flipped upside down and now they believe this totally other thing when really they just got one more piece of this puzzle, you know, and it's a, it's a big puzzle. (laughs) Um, and they didn't take the time to go and see, well, does understanding the difference in the translation from the Hebrew to English actually make much difference in the conceptual understanding of this passage or not? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, But unless you go and do the work in finding that out, you're not gonna know. I think to your, I mean, I agree with you uh, that, you know, we need to be open to finding out, you know, where these discrepancies are and, you know, exploring that, but at the same time to also make sure we are going as deep as we need to, to understand the evidence for something. Um, and not just like flip-flopping the other way because somebody quoted some Hebrew words to us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. So. Uh, yes. Anyone, I mean, I think we all know this. Anyone can string together verses in, in Hebrew or not to make the Bible say almost anything. Um, so it's important to to dive deeper. But I it is interesting to me though, Jordan. I think you bring up a good point. I don't know how many like church going Christians thinking about this stuff i, I feel like we're yeah. kind of in the minority here and i don't know why honestly i almost some days i wish i didn't think about this stuff at all i could just i could just read you <laughs> know go to church and listen to a great sermon and be like yep that's it like i'm fed and like not think about or have questions about this stuff but that's just i guess it's not how we're wired which is fine yeah. um but I, yeah it's interesting because we have a very passive church culture in america we're really coddled Um, overall, and the average churchgoer, I don't think is even close to, um, I don't think that they're thinking about this stuff much, if at all. And if they are, it's like in passing, like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm with my day, you know. And I don't know if every Christian needs to be this deep into theology as we are. And I don't know if that's necessarily healthy all, all the time, but it does make me really think, like, what do we do with this? Because, like you said. I don't think people understand or have thought like, oh yeah, like the NIV is just someone else's best interpretation of this, of the, of the Hebrew scriptures, but there could be other ways or other words that nah, I'm missing. I should look into this
1: via podcast or whatever. I don't think that's mm. a very
0: common thought many <laughs> churchgoers are having.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I think that's just a product of the church culture in America is, but I, I don't think that was the intention. I mean, look at the, uh, look at the disciples, the disciples were learning and constantly growing together. And then they planted churches that were learning and constantly growing together. And somehow we got off the rails and decided "Eh, one person should just tell us what we should think.
0: Well, yeah. And now we're in a situation too, where those people, they need money to keep doing this from their congregation. So there's this tension of like, let's say, Let's say you're a pastor, and um, let's just, this is totally hypothetical, but as an example, and we're going to use the Calvinism one again, it's it's just an easy example to use. Let's say you planted a church. It's very reformed slash Calvinistic in its view. You're a pastor. The church is successful. There's like, let's say there's a thousand people going to your church, so bigger than 90% of the churches out there, and they are in agreement. This is the way. Let's say one day you listen to someone, and you really start reconsidering how you view the doctrine of election and all these things. And you end up on your journey coming out on a whole different view. You're like, wow, like actually in light of the new evidence, I really think that I've, I've been wrong about this. Do you tell the congregation and risk having a church split and losing your funding and dividing the body? Or do you just kind of, you know, show face and kind of give them what they want. And I under, I'm not saying there's an easy decision to make. I think, but I think, I think as As the Bible project and these podcasts get more popular which they are they're getting so widespread and pastors start thinking about scripture in these terms I think a lot of them are gonna feel conflicted on how to present it because you don't want to lose people and you also don't want to lose your funding if you're being honest with yourself you know so I I feel like it's almost like a cycle because we've kind of taught people oh just believe whatever the pastor says but now that they believe it if we change our view then it's right. like, oh, uh, wait, can I trust you at all? <laughs> and that's that's really a bigger reflection on our culture. Our culture values never changing, uh, like like a viewpoint. And I think that we need to be we need to be. And I, well, let me just say, I understand I understand why. However, I think that we should be open more than ever to changing if new evidence is presented in front of us. If someone says, I have new evidence that's very clear that I was misreading this particular passage incorrectly we have to be willing to say i'm changing my viewpoint yeah
2: yeah i definitely have heard like stories similar to what you were saying and i can't think of any like names of people that this has happened to but definitely like stories of pastors like bringing something new to the congregation like hey we've been way too focused on, you know, this thing (laughs) or something. And maybe it's not like reinterpreting something in scripture so much. It's like, you know, Hey, we've been, you know, we've been way too much thinking about, you know, the number of congregants that are in our church and that shouldn't be as important to us as it is that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but yeah. And, but definitely the deeper things too, of like, you know, a new under, uh, not new, but I mean a different and better and clearer sometimes understanding of what scripture said that maybe doesn't fit with what's always been taught can definitely cause that. And you're right. It's, it's a hard decision to make because, you know, do you just like drop it on people <laughs> and see what they do? And I, I don't know if that's necessarily the right response always because, um, you know, it it comes back. I think to a similar concept of what we were talking about before the podcast started, um, and we keep coming back to this. But just like the, the idea of how you present information to people is sometimes just as important as the information you're presenting yourself. You know, if you really believe, hey, this, I'm understanding this in a different way than I have before, and I need to tell people about this. Sometimes if you were to just say that outright to a whole congregation of people, you are going to get that. Like half of them are just going to like get up and leave because they just don't like the idea of what you're saying. And maybe, you know, maybe half the people stay. Um, But if you can, I think be considerate of how you present that information and maybe take your time with it a little bit more, it can be something that, is more acceptable to people because you can slow down and be like so you know maybe start teaching on the idea of like being more open to you know different <laughs> ideas before you present the different ideas right. um, <laughs> but right. just that just that idea of like you know you i think there's different ways to present information that can have different results and can end up with people being more open or more closed off to what you have to say to them
1: well yeah i mean okay okay. i i i think i i have a really good modern day example of what we're talking about and i got a name for you francis chan true I, i mean he had cornerstone that had more than a thousand members and he was like guys i was wrong and he did what he felt he needed to do and he left and um, you know we've we've read letters to the church and a bunch of his other books and listened to some of his sermons and his sermons when he was like on the verge of leaving was was mind-blowing because I, I I loved his one of his last ones when you know he kind of ended his sermon with I don't know what to call this but it's not church Mm-hmm. and And then kind of left and then went into the house church movement, and I think that's where he still is now the I think we are a church or something, but that's i i mean you, you got to give him so much credit for he had a better understanding, and he was presented with new evidence and instead of and, and he didn't leave the church with no functions and he he doesn't ever speak poorly of Cornerstone. He thinks that God did great things there and still is, but he had to move on because this is the evidence I'm presented. And he presented it to them and then said, you know, do with it what you want. Still come here, still do good things, still honor the uh, God and the gospel, but this is, I I can't continue to do this. And, you know, you, you give guys like that credit for you know one giving up salaries giving up um you know all the perks that come along with it and and going out into the unknown
0: yeah yeah i think the other part of that is what i call uh infiltrating the church from the inside yeah <laughs> in fact i've a few friends who are uh you know pastor friends and stuff we kind of, that's kind of like our inside joke you know it's like so when do we take over when do we overthrow everything and obviously You know, the point is, like, a lot of us listen to the Bible Project, and we discuss this stuff as well on text and stuff, and we we wrestle with, like, okay, like, in light of this new information, you know, how do we, you know, tell a church people that maybe is in one view, this other view, but doing it well, because like you said, Jordan, you don't want to just drop... You know the frog in boiling water. You want to kind of get the
2: water warmed up. You know, <laughs> yeah. so they Honestly. die without knowing it. <laughs> exactly.
0: You want to. You want a very not noticeable death. But no, I mean, listen. We talk a lot about how we think that 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 the church is in need of a refresh and some reforming again. Um, and guys like Tim and Dr. Walton and these other podcasts have really, for a lot of people, I think, have shown that that we also need to refresh on how we read this book in the states <laughs> and 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 we need to really reexamine what it's saying to us and how we implement these ideas and concepts in our culture and uh hopefully over the next like 20 30 40 50 years there's a shift of people who are really more committed to the scriptures than ever and they're so much more committed that they're willing to potentially get rid of or lose some of their um modern (laughs) evangelical traditions (laughs) in light of a better you know reading of the bible i mean that that's ultimately what i hope people understand like you know i know sometimes i get labeled more liberal but honestly i'm just trying to read this book better than ever and if it's saying something that i'm not aware of i want to know so i can move my viewpoint to that thing um and at some point i have to trust that there has to be uh, a harmony of, like, you know, listen, God gave us intuition and logic. I have to be able to use those things to reconcile the Bible. If the Bible's saying two on the surface contradictory things, then I have to dig deeper to find the harmony in them because the Bible isn't going to contradict itself like that. That's not how it was designed to be. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's great stuff. I, I'll, all I can say in, in closing, at least for me, this journey, I think that we're on or whatever you want to call it, this process, it, it is just like, it's really great. And it's really freeing because I think for me, I've really made, because I like black and white. I'm a very black and white person. Naturally. I really made the Bible like a black and white. Here's how you read it. Here's how you don't, here's the rules. Here's not the rules. And there are definitely moments of that in the Bible still for sure. But, it it almost seems like 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 the bible um what's the word i'm looking for here uh it almost kind of like everything about the bible that i read it, <laughs> i read it in there i'm like oh yeah like this is really accurate on the condition of the human heart and just like how people cannot do it like how the bible is just full of stories of people who cannot meet like the mark of the new humanity even in the very beginning God gave us this this place. He gave us this option to create. He's like, hey, let's co-rule together and do it together. And we're like, nah, we'll do it on our own. I mean, that's <laughs> like page two of the Bible, you know? So it's just amazing because it is so true, the book, more than ever, but it's also not camcorder footage. So in that sense, maybe it's not as factual or true, but that's okay because it's not supposed to be. It's not claiming to be that in every single scenario. So I'm kind of rambling here, but all I have to say <laughs> – I've just found it really um, freeing to not be so like uptight about, am I reading this the right way? It's just, it's not what it's about. You know, there's something deeper going on.
2: Yeah. I think this has been challenging for me. I feel like I've said this several times through the course of these, um, but it's really because it's something that I struggle with. (laughs) I think that's why I keep bringing it back up. Um, Just like the amount of work that we put into this, I don't want to be lazy about trying to understand the scripture because it's not, you know, as much as it is something that, like, the gospel is simple and a child can understand it, and I believe that, um, there is so much depth. And, you know, if we're going to say there are aspects to the Bible and aspects to the character of God that we're never going to understand, you know, I want to try and get as close to that as I can <laughs> you know if there's parts that I'm never gonna understand then I still have a long way to go <laughs> from where I am now I guess um, so yeah i mean, I feel like this has all been just challenging to me to um, put in put in the effort that this demands of us
1: yeah, yeah that's I, good. I think the Apostle Paul would agree with you there cuz I mean he had like three years of special revelation from God and the risen Christ speaking directly to him. And still at the end of his life, he says, not as though I'm already there, not as though I'm complete, not as though I've I finished, but always wanted to grow more and learn more and be more devoted. So we all look at the Apostle Paul and say, well, I'm no Apostle Paul. Well, then you should try a lot harder than he did because <laughs> that, that's the goal for all of us is, in this life is to be more conformed to the image of Christ and yeah. that's through study through learning and you know we talk about the Bible project all the time but I I just love their phrase is that they believe that the Bible is a unified story pointing to Jesus and you know how Tim says in his um, in his podcast exploring my strange Bible about the strange and wonderful story of Jesus and you know and like you said Jordan it's it's a lifelong study we're never we're never ceasing to be a student of god and his mm-hmm. word
0: yeah good stuff guys well luckily for all of our hundreds and hundreds of listeners out there <laughs> we have plenty more topics 10s <laughs> to t- t-
2: and 10s 10s
0: <laughs> so, and 10s of them um hopefully this is the beginning of you know some very cool topics so i know we have quite a few that we want to get to but i appreciate everyone listening on this uh third and final part of this kind of bible series of just really scratching the surface um i'll make sure that rob puts if he has time in the show notes some resources of podcasts that we love exploring my strange bible is great um the bible project podcast is wonderful um there's a couple other ones that i'm sure we can link
1: yeah the naked bible podcast that's yeah that's really good
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you want to go um, really uh, progressive crazy, you can listen to some of the Almost Heretical podcasts, which I found at minimum interesting. And uh, (laughs) one of those... What well, you said, Jordan, kind of like we should be open to listening to the evidence. So I'm like, well, I'll be open to listen to the evidence. And some of it is great. <laughs> I take
2: that it- back. I take that back.
0: <laughs> it's great. And some of it, I'm like, I can do without. So, uh, but yeah, I appreciate everyone listening. And please, we'd love to hear your comments or feedback. And um, it'd be great if you left us a nice review on iTunes. That always helps us out. So until next time, thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for checking out the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus.